This is the Art of Dental Finance with Art Wiederman. Brought to you by the Academy of Dental CPAs. Whether it's taxes, investing, or planning wisely, Art is your guide to make your dental practice as profitable as possible. Here's your host, Dental CPA, Art Wiederman. And hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Dental Finance with Art Wiederman, CPA. Uh, I'm Art Wiederman. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Uh, I'm a dental-specific CPA located in Southern California. My practice is in the city of Tustin, uh, not too far from uh, both Disneyland and the beach, which is the way I like it. Uh, Anyway, um, today's show is very, very special. Um, Sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, you meet an individual in your life uh, that is just, you know, over-the-top special that is is larger than life uh, in the profession you work in. I've been honored to be in the dental profession as a CPA, a broker, a coach, a consultant, uh, uh, and all the other things I seem to do uh, for 35 years. Um, and my guest today is Dr. Bob Frazier. And Dr. Frazier uh, is uh, one of the most well-known, iconic dentists, lecturers, and specifically teachers uh, in our profession today. And I, I met Bob um, through my dear friend, who has also been a guest on my podcast and my partner in our transitions business, Dr. Phil Potter. And uh, Dr. Phil Potter uh, went through a process called applied strategic planning, which is what our subject matter is today. We're going to talk about putting together a strategic plan, not only for your dental practice, but for your life. And that's what Dr. Frazier is going to talk uh, with me about today. And Dr. Dr. Potter said, you know, Art, you have just got to get Bob Frazier to speak to your clients. He, he's that amazing. Again, Dr. Potter and his wife, Lorraine, went through the, the process and, and helped uh, Phil build an amazing practice in San Clemente, California, uh, which he ran for 33 years, and an amazing life and an amazing character. And um, I don't mean he's a character. I mean, he's got character like nobody I ever knew. And uh, then I, I called Bob and I said, you know, Bob, so, so tell me more about what you do. And we started talking about emotional intelligence, which will be another podcast that we do. We're not talking about that today. So I brought Bob uh, and his clinical psychologist, Dr. Woodburn, out to Southern California. And we put 50 people in the room for two days. And it was two of the most amazing days of my life, learning about how to communicate and how people think and and at the end, we got 50 people giving uh, Dr. Frazier and Dr. Woodburn a standing ovation. And then I've spent more time with Dr. Frazier. I've gone on some uh, amazing uh, vacation and learning trips with him. And uh, I am so excited that he is coming on the program today. So we're going to be talking about applied strategic planning. So let me tell you a little bit about Bob. Um Bob uh, went to um, undergrad at the University of Texas at Austin. He did his dental training at the University of Texas UT Dental Branch, which actually was in Houston, Texas. He practiced dentistry for 30 years. He bought and sold three practices. And he has since uh, become uh, an iconic and amazing coach. He's made uh, feature presentations to virtually every major United States dental meeting, hundreds of study clubs. AGD Continuing Education uh, sponsors plus uh, dental organizations uh, all over, the, again, the United States, Canada, and Europe. And um, Dr. Frazier is just one of the most um, engaging, intelligent, thoughtful, and helpful people that you're ever going to meet. 
And again, our topic today is applied strategic planning. And again, as a coach, I will tell you that um, I would love to see my clients do more planning, sit down and say, all right, I, I really want to have a plan for my life. I want to have a plan for my 30s and my 40s and my 50s and my 60s. And un- unfortunately, life, life does get in the way of um, of doing that sometimes, in fact, many times. And what happens is, is that you go down the road and you have kids, you buy a house, you buy a practice, uh, you, you learn how to do different dental procedures. And the plan just never seems to happen. And that's what this is about. Folks, I want all of you to be wildly successful, not only in your practice, but but in your life. And, and that's what a, a, a applied strategic planning does. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read you a paragraph, and then I'm going to bring Dr. Fraser on, uh, and we're going to talk about that. Applied strategic planning is the process by which the guiding members of an organization Envision its future and develop the necessary procedures and operations to achieve that future. The vision of the future state of the organization provides both the direction in which the organization should move and the energy to begin that move. The envisioning process is very different from long-range planning, as Dr. Frazier will explain to you. The simple extrapolation of statistical trends or forecasts, and it is more attempting to anticipate the future and prepare accordingly. Envisioning involves a belief that aspects of the future can be influenced and changed by what one does now. Properly implemented, the strategic planning process can help the organization to create its future. And this is so important, folks. Um, Having a plan, knowing not only how many dollars it's going to take you to retire, which is important, but, you know, how are you going to get there? And it's a journey, and we're going to learn that today. So, Dr. Bob Frazier, welcome to the Art of Dental Finance. Thank you, Art. Uh, it's very kind of you to have me uh, on your podcast. Uh, I think your listeners probably know uh, that Art is a group, uh, part of a group of dental CPAs, and uh, I know many of them, and he's right at the top of the list. Uh, I've had the privilege of working with a number of his clients as well over the years, and uh, uh, you are far more than a CPA, my friend. Uh, you are a, a strategic thinker in your own right. <clears throat> so I'm thrilled to be able to speak to your audience today. And as it, you were talking, uh, I appreciate all those accolades. I wish my mom were still alive to hear all that. <laughs> out of her son uh, and my dad as well. But um, it occurred to me that you know if you think about planning, most people spend a lot more time planning their vacations than they do their lives, which in some ways is somewhat tragic because um, uh, you know, great, it's important to have good vacations, but it's also important to step back from time to time and take a recess, if you will, to reassess. And so what we're going to be doing today, as I hope we discuss this process called Applied Strategic Planning, is we're going to help people to get in creative cooperation with their future. You really can't control your future art, but you can get in creative cooperation with it, which then means when windows of opportunity open, you know which ones you want to pursue versus those you want to say, no, thanks, I'm not going there. Um, And the great thing, Bob, about what you do, it's kind of like as a dentist, once you became experienced as a dentist, you know, you would look at a mouth and you would say, yeah, this is the direction that we need to go. Well, the, the applied strategic planning process helps you to be able to recognize, as you said, opportunities to make your life better, right? 
it's actually funny that you should say that because oftentimes people, uh, one of the things I teach, of course, is emotional intelligence. Our, our firm has taught that for a number of years. I founded uh, R.L. Frazier and Associates uh, back about 20 years ago um, while I was still in practice. And then when I sold my practice, uh, I actually sold my practice twice. Uh, that'd be another discussion for another day. But in any case, um, as I migrated into this, um, I taught a insurance independent fee-for-service approach to uh, dentistry that involved an extraordinary new patient experience. And at the same time, I'm teaching applied strategic planning. So occasionally a client would ask me, those seem very different. No, they're not. Anybody who's been through training with Frank Spear, John Coyce, uh, or any of the uh, Pete Dawson, um, John Cranham, et cetera, um, you learn how to put together a plan for your patient. And the parallel between this and applied strategic planning is, is quite uh, uh, similar as they'll learn as we talk through this. Um, the other thing I thought I might mention as we start is I think most of your listeners, I think their lives are a lot like a jigsaw puzzle with many, many pieces. Yep. And, um, you know, how we put those pieces together is important. There was a study done many years ago at MIT where they took some Mensa uh, personnel, people, that um, that's brilliant IQs, if you will. And they divided them into two groups. This was these were small groups of about 12 each. And they gave them a large jigsaw puzzle to put together. And as they were challenged to do this, one group had the top of the box of the jigsaw puzzle. In other words, they had the picture of what it was supposed to look like when they finished. The other group did not have it. They had equal IQs. What do you suppose, Art, the time difference was between the two groups putting the puzzle together? Oh, my goodness. I have uh, half the time, maybe? That's right. It was it was half. They did it in half the time that the group that did not have a picture of the future they wanted to achieve in this jigsaw puzzle. And I think many of your listeners out there, they wrestle with different aspects of their life, whether that's personal or whether that has to do with their team or their finances, et cetera. They don't know what that final picture needs to look like. Because they've never sat down and said, if it were the best it could be, what would it look like? Yeah, we. I, I like to call it a 35,000-foot view. Amen. Amen. Yeah. So, Bob, tell us a little bit about your journey and how you got to getting into this work. Yeah, that's kind of a strange isn't it, uh, for dentists to do this work. Um, it's interesting. I After the dental school, this was the Vietnam era, um, I went ahead and signed up early, and I was sent to uh, uh, Tacoma, Washington. I wanted to get out of Texas and see some of the rest of the world. So I went to the Pacific Northwest, had a wonderful assignment, McCord Air Force Base. And um, while I was there, I was fortunate enough to, I guess my gift for Gab, they made me the base dental health officer. And the colonel kind of liked me. He said, you know, we're going to make you our base periodontist. So they sent me for training in perio, huh. uh, all places back to San Antonio in August. That's not the time you want to go to San Antonio. No. <laughs> but in any case, um, I came back. And when I was at a perio study group one day, um, while I was up there in the Air Force, there were a bunch of docs there talking about the fact that you could now incorporate your practice. And as a CPA, you probably remember these days, there was a time when an individual practitioner couldn't incorporate. Right. And the courts ruled that you could after several challenges, and but nobody knew how to do it. So um, uh, sure enough, as I'm at this meeting, they're talking about this guy who's a one-star general, MBA, uh, he's in the reserve, and he's teaching in the local community college how to incorporate a professional practice. And I thought, well, you know, I ought to go over and take that. 
So I went over and the first night we were there and there were physicians as well as dentists in the uh, class. And he starts talking and he says, gentlemen, I know all of you are here and it was at the time all men. Um, you're all here because you've heard we can, you can save taxes by incorporating your practice. And that's true. But why you ought to incorporate your practice is far more than that. You should do it in order to practice applied strategic planning. Ah, uh, that's how you were introduced, huh? That was introduced. And, and what they had us do, or you'll appreciate this, they had us create a vision of our practice uh, five years in the future, once we went into practice, take that vision, and he had us incorporate it in a loan package that we were going to take to 10 or more banks, and we were going to request a line of interest with a fixed interest rate. You know, banks don't like to give you fixed interest rates. No. Especially on a line of credit. Um, and we would then be able to borrow money and be not stressed by the, the debt repayment we had to do. Well, the funny part about that was I thought that was the main reason we were doing that. That wasn't the main reason. Although it is funny, when I took it to the banks, most of them stood there and they, they asked me three times, now you're a dentist? <laughs> My business plan, if you will. Yeah. And we've never seen this before. Well, of the 11 banks I went to, five of them offered me a fixed interest rate, but only two of them were really serious about it. And I eventually went with them. Well, what I want to tell you is that seven years into this, I'm drawing on my line of interest at an interest rate lower than prime rate, which is unheard of. Yes. Uh, and, and again, I thought that was the purpose of this. That was not the most important purpose. The most important purpose is that I had created a vision of what I wanted in my practice. And every time we've done this with other clients, it's a five-year vision. I've never had anyone who did it seriously that didn't accomplish that five-year vision within three and a half at most four years. And, and I know many of the people in Southern California that have gone through your program. I know them personally. Uh, I've worked with several of them. And it is so obvious as to how far into the advanced class these men and women are who have gone through a, applied strategic planning. So, Bob, let, let's start off and Tell me, what is applied strategic planning? Let me finish that. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I not let you finish? I went back and I wrote this up and it went really well. And I was in a local study group as well. Um, and I decided I needed to go off and take formal training in this. So I went to the University Associates in San Diego and took training, so not far from you. Um, and then I took a second course of training, uh, a more advanced course from them uh, that they gave in the Washington, D.C. area. It was always funny because in that audience were Independent Power, uh, I think the FBI was in the audience, uh, uh, Aetna Insurance, et cetera, and they were, everybody was introducing themselves, and they introduced me, and they said, and he's a dentist. And everybody said, what? What the heck? But in any case, um, that led to me modifying the, the, the model a little bit, and I, it just so happened I went out to dinner one night while I was you know, early in my practice and early in learning this process, and I showed these fellows uh, uh, what I was doing. And they all have to be engineers who previously worked for Procter & Gamble. And one of the things that I emphasize, and we'll talk about this in a moment with your group, is the importance of core values. Those things in our life that nothing should be second to, if you will. And um, uh, they liked that. And this was not in the original model, an emphasis on core values. The other piece I integrated was something called the Integrate Action Plan. And I'll talk about that in a moment. So anyway, I go back home and my study group says, well, your practice is doing so well. Why don't you start teaching us this? So I started teaching them. And then one thing led to another. And um, I've had a number of clients, several hundred dentists have been through this program. And then um, I even led 
companies like BioLays and their applied food plan and the California Dental Association. This was a bunch of years ago. So let's talk about the process itself. Yeah, tell us about the process. Yeah. Um, it starts with vision. You know, in that quote you gave about applied strategic planning, there are three states of time in any planning art, past, present, and future. Makes sense. In, in most planning, even that which is called a strategic planning, and by the way, I have a book on my bookshelf above me right now that is uh, why strategic planning doesn't work. And frankly, most strategic planning doesn't work. But applied strategic planning, because it's action-oriented from the beginning, it works. In any case, um, if you think about, imagine that you're in a room with me and I'm explaining this process to you. And on the wall behind me are those three states of time, past, present, and future. Okay. In most planning, people take the past like it was a chair. And imagine that I'm dragging that chair with me and I drag it into the present. So I say, well, what did we do last year? What was our profit? Uh, how much, uh, how many implant restorations did we do? How much this, that, the other? We did all the analysis of that. We said we grew, let's say, eight or nine percent. Hey, can we grow again eight or nine percent? And the answer might be yes, it could. So in traditional strategic planning and traditional long range planning, we simply take what we've done in the past. We move to the present, determine where we are, and we drag that forward into the future. Now, is there anything wrong with that? Well, it's limiting because what happens is then the past and the present have an enormous impact on the future. In applied strategic planning, we don't do that. We respect the past. We understand where we are in the present, and we're clear on that. And yet we put that aside and we take a green field approach to if five years from today, my life, first my personal life with my spouse or my significant other um, and my children, if I have children, were the best it could be, what would it look like? And That's a good place to start. Place. Yeah. And, and, and we work backwards from that. We do the same thing with our practice. In fact, what we have our clients do, Art, is write a letter from the future, meaning um, we use we use a variety of things in our retreats where we put you in a, a generally a set, setting somewhere in nature. We use some uh, music. Uh, if your group is listening, they could put on a nice piece of music without any lyrics and simply allow themselves to daydream about that future if they were the best it could be uh, in their personal as well as their professional life. Well, what, a, what a great way to start this thing off, Bob. I mean... One of the great things about living in this country is that you can make your life whatever you want to make it. And it takes some work, right? Oh, it does. It does. But you're right. And so if, if you can imagine going out and, and, and writing that down, and, and the act of writing it down, Art, is hugely important. I had a wonderful uh, client of many years. He was the periodontist for all the <clears throat> major restorative dentists in the Dallas, Texas area. His name was L.K. Croft. And L.K. came to the, the Applied Strategic Planning Series. He told me, he said, Bob, you know, I'm, I do this regularly. I set goals, objectives, et cetera. So can I just come to the first retreat? I may not come to the second and third retreat. I said, L.K., you can come as much as you want or as little as you want. He went to the first retreat. And at the end of that, he said, he brought his wife, Lucy. He said, Bob, this was very powerful. I'm going to be back for the second retreat. And sure enough, he came back for the second. And then same reply, though. I may not come to the third. At the end of that, he said, Bob, I'm coming to the third. 
what was interesting when we debriefed the entire series, she said, you know, one of the things I'd always heard, but I learned from you for sure, the pen is mightier than the sword. Yeah. Until we write something down, Art, it's merely thoughts that go sort of vanish. When we write it down, it's an act of clarification. And so the idea of writing a vision, and remember, vision comes from the heart, not the head. Vision is that thing that you aspire to. Um, I had a powerful um, uh, lesson in this when I was in dental school. I got in dental school early, and I thought, this will be great. I'll be, um, uh, I was putting myself through dental school, not entirely, but about 50%, because my parents just didn't have enough money to help me too much with that. And I got elected class representative. So those of you who have been in dental school, you know that dental school, unfortunately, particularly in my day, was a high fear, low trust environment. And I really didn't like it. Uh, I didn't see anybody there, although I'd had dentist uh, mentors before I went to dental school. I didn't see anybody that looked like that in dental school with only a couple of exceptions. So along about my sophomore year, um, I'm pretty discouraged. I'm not sure I want to stay in dental school. And um, they brought in a speaker by the name of Bob Barkley. Some of your listeners may be old enough to remember Bob Barkley. I remember Bob Barkley. Barkley, Barkley was the one who wanted to help us understand that if it was going to really affect people's lives, we had to partner with them and we had to become person-centered or patient-centered. And I had never heard that my whole time in dental school. And I was literally inspired as he spoke to us about, I could, I, I could see myself being this kind of dentist. Now, Art, I said I got in early. There were a hundred people in my class. At the end of the first year, I think I was uh, 42nd in my class standing, nothing to write home about. At the end of my second year, I think I was 38th. Now remember, for the end of my second year, I heard Barkley. Barkley changed me so much so that by the end of my third year, I was number 12, and by the end of my first, last year, I was number one. Now, I'm not saying that to brag on me. What I'm saying that is when you have a vision, it changes current reality. And you begin to act differently. And providence moves too, as the great Thoreau once said. So so may, maybe the way we go, because I want to get through all this, because we're going to run. <laughs> you and I could talk for days. It's it's frightening. Um, so where do you start? What what your, your first session of applied strategic planning? How, how does that come down? What do you do? Well, one of the things you want to do is you want to uh, look back on some life lessons. But once you've done that, you move into this uh, uh, core values work. So let me take you through a bit of a flow sheet of applied strategic plan. Let's do that, please. Any of your listeners who want this, we'll give them a source for this at the end that they can go. Yeah, and, and by the way, ladies and gentlemen, when when you go on to our website, which is, and I'll give out our information, which I forgot to do at the beginning of the show. I'll do that a little later when we let Bob give his out. When you go on to our website, www.hmwccpa.com, You'll go to that podcast. All of Bob's contact information will be there. Uh, so you can get, and, and Bob has been so gracious with many of my clients and with me, especially in sharing all of his amazing materials and wisdom. But go, go ahead, Bob. So, so it, it begins with vision uh, that what will your individual life look like five years today for the best it could be. And we start with a person and your coupleness, if you will, your family. And then what do you want your work life to look like? Because too often, I think we get things a little mixed up, Art, and we um, live our lives to work when, in fact, we should work in order to live our lives. Yep. One of the centering quotes for the applied fatigue planning process comes from Goethe, and it says this, 
Johann von Goethe, the great German theologian philosopher, said the thing, the most important things in life must never be placed at the mercy of the least important. Oh, wow. That's so, that's so poignant. You know, I've said this to probably several thousand people as I've lectured over the years. I just spoke in Nashville and said that. And I asked a group of 500, as I've asked every audience, does anybody disagree with that? Uh, the, the things that matter most in life must never be placed at the mercy of the things that matter least. No one's ever raised their hand. I keep waiting for a schizophrenic or somebody to raise their hand. <laughs> then I asked them, well, if you agree with that, let me ask how many have decided, have taken time this week to decide what matters most this week? A very few hands go up. Has anybody done it? What matters most today? At most, maybe one hand out of several hundred people will go up. What we don't do are is we don't stop long enough in this frenzied, you know, fast food world that we live in to stop and take a recess to reassess what what's important in my life and how am I spending my life? You know, um, the great uh, psychologist uh, Eric Erickson said there were eight ages of man. The first age of man had to do with trust versus distrust, and that's what we talk about in the emotional intelligence work that we do. But the last age of man was integrity versus despair. What does that mean? It means when I reach those last days of my life, will I look back on my life with integrity and be happy about the choices I made? Or will I look back with regret and said, oh, I wish I'd have made that choice? Well, that's not the time to do it. The time to do it is far in advance of that. And as you write that vision of the future and what it is you want to achieve, you want to let go. You want to let uh, whatever uh, higher power you believe in move you and it's amazing what comes out of that writing um, so from there where we move core values core values what are core values those are the guiding principles one of the books we have people read prior to our work in strategic planning is Covey's seven habits of highly successful. I, I was going to ask you for your favorite books and i saw that in some of the literature i love that book it's an old book i've read it three times every time i read it i mark it up i, I swear you must have gotten off the shelf between my readings and, and edited it because of, <laughs> because of where I am in my life. So uh, in that, he says that the core principles are, are, are like guiding principles for your life. And so these core values, most of us will have three to five core values, meaning that you know we all have values, these guiding principles for our life. The core values are values that I have that even if they become a competitive disadvantage, I will not abandon them. And so we want to be clear on that. And we do some work around that, some fairly intensive work on what are your guiding principles. It's, um, that then flows to mission. Well, what's mission? I said that vision comes from the head. By the way, vision is about releasing your potential. And uh, uh, what is that potential? In my life, uh, I'm a kind of a religious guy, so I believe God gave me potential. And what I do with it, his gift to me was that potential. My gift back to him is what I do with my own potential. So, hey, hey, Bob, can you ask God to help me with my uh, with my long irons and my golf game? I, I can, but I'm not so sure that will be at the top of his part. <laughs> well, you, I've seen, I've seen your swing. Well, it's it's better when you see it the next time. It is better than it was. Well, I think we're going to play this. Uh, we are. We absolutely are. I'd love to do that. It, so, so once we're clear on our core values, core values don't give you direction, Art. They give you the rightness of your direction. Um, one of our core values was integrity. Another core value I hold close is freedom. 
Now, what do I mean by freedom? Well, freedom means that when I make a decision, I always ask myself, how will that impact my freedom? And, um, you know, I have a number of material possessions, but I know people who have a whole lot more. It's kind of like the old joke about the boat owner, the happiest day of a boat uh, owner's life is the day he buys the boat, the day he sells the Yeah, boat. exactly. <laughs> because he's got to take care of it in between. In other words, he lost some freedom by owning that boat. Um, where do we go next? Mission. Well, mission answers three questions. And it says, what is it? I, or if we're a dental practice, we are going to become, who are we here to serve, and how do we intend to serve them? And so I would urge everybody that uh, does this work to write a personal mission statement. And it needs to be short enough that you can remember it. Right. Um, and that mission is the pathway to the vision. So when we're doing our applied strategic planning work, we start with that idea of vision. We get clear on the core values to make sure that vision is reflected in it reflects our core values, and then we get our mission, which is that succinct statement of what it is we intend to become. Uh, does that make you sense? Oh, it makes it makes a ton of sense. Um, be, before we move on, I, I do want Bob to give his information out. I, I do want to let you know, folks, that uh, Bob is, if you're in Southern California, you have a course coming up, right? We do. We're going to be giving a retreat. Uh, there's actually two courses coming up in, in Southern California. The Applied Strategic Planning course is in Thousand Oaks. It's going to begin on the afternoon of the 27th. It'll be the 28th and 29th. Of, of which month, Bob? Of March. That's a good question. Of March. And it's doctors and spouses only. And right now we have room for three more docs and spouses. And I'd be happy to talk to anybody who has any interest in that. By the way, anybody who comes to an Applied Strategic Planning, our rules are you don't have to commit to more than the first retreat. And then you can decide at the end of that, you want to go further. I will caution people that when they've come, 99% have gone on to the, the rest of the program. So thank you for mentioning that. We're also giving a um, uh, an EI course, emotional intelligence course with my psychologist. You mentioned the one that your clients gave us that lovely standing ovation for. And that's the end of February. It's also up in Thousand Oaks. And I want to say it's the, fri- the last Friday and Saturday in February. And I believe that's the uh, 28th and 29th of February, if that's the right date. Um, it could be. You would know better than I would. But, Bob, give out. So, folks, I, I cannot implore you enough to go, if you have not heard Dr. Frazier at the hundreds and hundreds of study clubs, national lectures, state lectures he's given, uh, if you've not heard him, please, um, you know, take this opportunity if you're in Southern California. But, Bob, uh, give the, give out your website so because you do other programs all over the place, right? Yeah, yeah, and, and um, R.L. Fraser Associates, as of last April, merged with three of my very best clients, and now we're a larger organization, and it's uh, Inspiro, and uh, so our website is www.inspiroteam.com, and that would be I-N-S-P, like Paul, E like Edward, R like Robert, O like O, team.com zero team.com and if you want to look up uh, something specific to this uh, um, we've actually added to that in zero team.com backslash arts podcast backslash nice yeah. well and, and and bob what is, what's a phone number if they want to call your office and get more information 512 3460455 Okay. I'm going to take a second and give my information out, Bob, just for a second. Um, if you want to get a hold of me in uh, my office, 
Um, we've changed our phone number. It's uh, 714-505-9000. Easy number to remember. Um, if you want to email me, I'm at artweederman at gmail.com. We get lots of emails of suggestions and comments about the show. Um, if you are looking for a, uh, um, you know, you want to look at all the podcasts, go on to our website, www.hmwccpa.com. Go to the resources tab and then go to podcasts and all the podcasts, including this one with Bob Frazier, which uh, should go up on the internet in uh, mid-February of 2020. We'll be on there. And if you're looking for a dental-specific CPA, uh, Dr. Frazier was kind enough to mention our group. The Academy of Dental CPAs is my mothership. I mean, these are my dear friends. My, uh, You talk about vision and, and, and all this stuff. These people are amazing. Um, 24 CPA firms across the United States that represent uh, over 9,000 dentists. And go to our website, uh, www.adcpa.org, not .com. Go to the map. You'll find a member in your area. So, uh, okay, Bob, well, let's continue. So did, did we finish with what happens in the we first? We didn't. Let me go back to that. Flow. Okay, go ahead. We'll make this available to people who are interested in it. Sure. You've moved from vision to core values um, to mission. And, and let me share a personal mission, and I'm going to do it paraphrasing. This is my personal mission. And, and by the way, when you hear this, this is not who I am. It's who I hope to become. Um, Bob Fraser, a caring, loving husband, father, and grandfather who cherishes and affirms my wife and children, provides for them a safe and nurturing and stimulating home in which they can release their highest capacity and talent for life, who tries to live a life of patience, humility, fidelity, optimism, industry, moderation, and integrity, and freedom. And he lives a balance between love, play, work, and worship. Thank you, LD. Thank you. Um, in my work, uh, to be a gifted teacher and coach in the sense of the prophet who first walks beside people, leading them to the threshold of their own mind, both his team and those with whom he works, and allow them to release their highest potential, and finally dedicates all his good work to God in grateful thanksgiving without whom he would have nothing. Now, people will say, well, my gosh, that's kind of a long mission and rather ethereal. Why are you able to quote it? Well, yes, I'm a speaker, but let me tell you why I'm able to quote it, Art. When I become troubled, I go back and I pull out my, maybe I'm upset with Linda, my wife of 52 years, or maybe I'm upset with one of my team members. I'll go back and it's gone on for a day or two and I'll read my mission statement. And you know what happens every time I read it? What? I'm not living my mission. I'm not doing what I said I would do. Because uh, Kevin in his book says our mission is our magnetic north. And unless we've written down a personal mission, we don't really have a magnetic north. So um, I would encourage everybody to write a mission statement, a personal mission statement, and certainly to have one for their practice as well. Uh, we had a, a rather inspiring mission statement for our practice that we could talk about. But uh, um, I'm not going to do that at the moment. I'm going to move further forth through the model. Once I understand what our vision is and our mission, I then need to do some analysis. And the first is called an internal analysis. And there's a, an acronym called SWAT. What SWAT means? Strengths, weakness, opportunities, and threats. Yeah, I, I did that with my CPA practice about five years ago with a, with a coach. And it's very eye-opening. Yeah, it's very powerful. And, and there's a whole way we do it using a stringing technique that's kind of fun that where you string these things together. And out of that, will flow some objectives that you may want to. 
but think about great strategists. If you, if you look back on history, the great strategist understands that you play to your strength. You use your strength uh, to overwhelm your weakness. And weaknesses tend to be internal. And then you have opportunities before you. And opportunities are like windows. And the great strategist treats that, that window as though it's a closing window of opportunity. And lastly, there are threats. And threats tend to be external, things like the economy, um, uh, things like illness, for instance, that might come along, um, perhaps some difficulty within your own family that you're trying to solve. Um, those, those, once you understand what those are, this is part of what's called the strategic business modeling portion of the, of the process. You then take a look outside of yourself and say, what's going on in that, that external environment outside of me? i.e., and you look at the social trends, the political trends, the economic and the marketplace trends. When we used to do this with individual practices years ago, it was rather difficult. It was not hard for the California Dental Association to do that because they had all kinds of resources or for biolay. But for the individual practice, it was difficult. Not today. Because today on the Internet, there's Google Trends. There's the Popcorn Report. There's all things you can look at. Let me take you back to our practice. In the 1980s, believe it or not, we were offering it a number of things that are now part of the oral systemic health movement. And we had, for instance, a clinical nutritionist. We had biofeedback therapy. 20% of my practice was myofascial pain. And one of the things that is, is a causative agent of that is stress. So we had all these things in our practice. And as we looked at the external environment, one of the things we noticed was there was a little food store down on uh, South Lamar uh, that had just started. And uh, they had a pamphlet rack. They wanted to inform people of all of their food and where how it was grown and et cetera. That little food store was called Whole Foods Market. <laughs> I've heard of it. We were the ones who went down and put a pamphlet in that pamphlet rack. And for five years, we were the only dentist in their pamphlet rack. Well, we got tons of patients who wanted a collaborative approach to their health. And so this is how you employ this. One of the classic examples from industry um, is uh, Procter & Gamble, that uh, one of the things they knew is that, I don't know how many of your clients know this, Procter & Gamble is very good at making paper products, one of their strengths. Yep. They have to package everything they've got. Well, uh, socially at the time they did this, we're talking now back in the late 60s, the, the, the social trend was there were more women entering the workforce than ever in the history of this country. There also happened to be a baby boom. So what did Procter & Gamble do? They put two and two together and they created something called a uh, pamper, a disposable diaper <laughs> in the late 1960s. How many, what was their gross revenue on pampers the first year they introduced it? One billion dollars. What would that be today, Art? Many billions of dollars. And we, we find the practices that go through the applied recruitment planning process and do this with seriousness. They, they generally very quickly within three to four years, uh, five years to the outside will double whatever their revenue. So, Bob, let me ask you a question. Okay. So I, I, I've worked with Dennis for 35 years. You've worked with them for probably about the same amount. I mean, you've been one and 40. Uh, 40. So yeah. I, I, I have a listener who's listening to this. And they go, wow, this is, this is really overwhelming. How, how I mean, th- this is not, this is for anybody. This is not just for, uh, you know, people at the top of the mountain, right? No, it's, 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 it's for anybody who, uh, you know, oftentimes people who come to us are in a plateau situation. They, they're kind of stuck and they can't break through or they want to free themselves up from uh, uh, the insurance uh, yoke, if you will. 
because uh, insurance is not going where we want to go if you're a high-end uh, comprehensive. Uh, no, no, that's a, that's a theme of this program, Bob, is reducing your dependency on insurance. I, I mean, that's just a, that's another whole conversation. Think, think about it, Art. Uh, we're, we happen to be four days removed from the Super Bowl. Are three days removed from the Super Bowl where we're recording this. Right. When you see those guys on the sidelines, you'll notice that each of the coaches has a plasticized sheet in his hand, and he's referring to that constantly. What is that art that he's referring to? That's the plan. That's the game plan. The game plan. Can you imagine taking the field against the opposing coach? He has a game plan, and you don't. Insurance has a major game plan, and they're executing it. Um, all of managed care has major strategic plans. And you're going to go out and you're going to compete against them with no plan. Uh, good luck and Godspeed. Well, it's fear. The, our, our clients, my clients, the people that you teach, they're afraid that if they don't take these plans, that nobody's going to come and see them. Well, I understand that. But the, what I'm, the point I'm making is they have no plan of their own. Right. And I'm not talking about their own insurance plan. I'm talking about how they want to approach the marketplace. So let me. Let me yeah, let's keep going, please. Because we're almost done. So once we've done that, one of the things we do in the applied city planning process is we then take that vision you wrote, and it, it typically is going to be the, the practice vision uh, for a practice, say, 10 years old or older, is likely to be six to eight pages long. Um, and you go back to that, and you pull from that what are called goals. Goals are broad, fuzzy statements of a desired future state. Uh, I had a goal many years ago, Art, I have five grandkids now, but this was well before I had grandchildren, and it was to be able to be fully active with my grandchildren and play any sport that they played, at least at some level, for my age. That was a broad fuzzy, but under that, I also had an objective, which was clear and measurable. I wanted to be in the top 5% cardiovascular fitness and um, uh, BMI, et cetera, for my age group by the time I was 52 years old. So the, the point being, you, objectives are concrete and measurable. You have a set of goals. Generally, most practices would have anywhere between three and five, and then they would have some objectives under those. And then well, the last piece is the, something called an integrated action plan. That is a, the only proprietary piece of my model, practically, um, that I've created. And it's a step-by-step -step way to achieve your short-term objective, meaning those objectives that you intend to act on in the next 12 months. You don't try to create an integrated action plan for all your objectives. You create one for the, for the things you want to act on in the next 12 months. That, uh, that, that's right. I, I see doctors, they, they, they go to a seminar, and then they come back and they try and implement 20 things on Monday. <laughs> and the team looks at them like, are you insane? Yeah, that, and the, the thing about the process is, if they went through in our more formal process, they don't, they bring their team at retreat too. And we have one of my team members who's worked with me for 30 years who teaches with me. And she's there at retreat one, which is doctors and spouses only. But at retreat two, she spends the first day and a half just with the team, helping them understand how do they apply this in their own life and how will it work in the practice. When you create a clear vision and when you have your team help you embellish that vision, which we do at retreat two, guess what happens? They have an ownership sense in that vision because, for instance, when they do their vision work, that retreat too, it's not uncommon. A hygienist will focus a lot on the hygiene department and what it could look like if it were the best it could be five years of the day. The admin people will focus on the admin. And as they do that, 
they get ownership. And you know, too often in the old models of planning, the plan comes down from the ivory tower and people are said, here, follow the plan. Um, there's no ownership. And so you get true ownership and it's an extraordinary uh, process. Um, one of the things that some of your clients may want to do is my old website is still active. It's www.fraseronline.com and they can go in and look at strategies for dentists and teams. And if they go to something called PASP in there, personal applied strategic planning, they'll find that page and they can click on it and they'll see some videos of uh, unrehearsed videos of people who went through strategic planning and several of them are team members and several of them are spouses who said when they started, why in the heck am I here? And afterwards, they said, you know, this changed my life. It was one of the, the things that I did in this practice that went far beyond the practice itself. Um, we have a practice in Dallas we're doing right now, a pediatric practice that is a two pediatric dentists uh, and two orthodontists in a group practice. They're going through their fourth applied strategic plan in the last roughly 25 years. Um, it's a top 1% practice. I don't know if you know Charlie Blair. Charlie does. Of course, Charlie's a dear. Charlie's one of my dear, dear friends in dentistry. He's been on this podcast. I love the guy. He's a great guy. He does this fee survey. And every year when he calls my friend Mark Kogan, who has this Dallas practice, pediatric practice, he always asks Mark, are you still totally fee for service? And he said, I am. We accept no insurance. And uh, we'll help people get reimbursed by insurance. We accept none. He said, I don't know how you can possibly do that. And Mark says, Applied strategic planning. Yeah. Well, Mark recently sold that practice, and what he did as a gift to the new buyer, he bought an entire play, applied strategic planning series for the new owner and the team. Oh my goodness, that, that's amazing! It's a big investment, but I got to tell you, he did well on the sale of the practice. So, but it was a gift for him to the new fellow because he believes so strongly in it. Um, it's a it's a powerful process. So, but you have to do it like you eat an elephant, a bite at a time. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, so you you were getting into uh, the second the second phase, right? That's right. In this in this strategic business modeling phase, is how are we going to act differently? And you you break it down, and and generally most of these practices are acting on two or three objectives at any one time, not five or six or seven, because if you do that. The best way to be a great procrastinator art is to start so many things you can't finish. Yeah, as we were just talking about. So, Bob, what would be a couple of typical objectives that, that, a, that a dental office would, would, would start working on uh, when they go through your, your, um, your program? Well, one, one of those is often uh, the uh, increase of new patient flow. And uh, so the objective might be that, uh, let's say, in their vision, they had a vision that said we were um, – an exceptional restorative, comprehensive restorative practice in wherever they're living, which is part of their vision, and that um, um, serve people who demanded such excellence. Uh, and then in their objectives, they want to see, let's say, 14 or 15 comprehensive exams per month per doctor. Uh, and uh, so that would be an objective, and they want that to happen by a certain date. Um, and generally, uh, then they're going to work out an integrated action plan to make that happen. So these are concrete uh, things that I want to accomplish in the next 12 months. And they do that collectively with their team. Another thing they could be is they, they want to begin to be, be uh, less tied to the insurance cow. And so another objective might be to become insurance free uh, or insurance independent, not later than. We often use NLT in our objectives, not later than a certain date. 
that's going to take longer, particularly if they've got a number of plans they're already doing. So their objective would be to begin to um, remove those plans which are least favorable to comprehensive, highest quality care. And, and doctors, I will tell you, I just had a client, we won't mention it, a large insurance company that comprised 60% of their practice, just went out of network with that company and 88% of the patients stayed with the practice and this practice's gross revenues are going to be up a million dollars this year. Easily. What what most people don't realize who are very, very tied to insurance, you know this, if you actually dive down into the numbers, they have somebody on their team working full time that they're paying that is actually working for the insurance company. And in addition to that, when they talk about their gross production, that's not their adjusted gross production. Their adjusted gross production is all that write-offs they're giving to the insurance company. So can you do this by just going cold turkey? Sometimes, but I think it makes a whole lot more sense to have a plan. Have a, have a plan. Let me give you one more quote, Art. That's sure, please do. Considering quote for what the work we do, particularly around vision. Um, it comes from the first century BC, so this is not new stuff. Um, it was a Roman senator and philosopher by the name of Seneca. He said, our plans miscarry because they have no aim. And when a man, and I added woman, does not know for what port they're making, no wind is the right wind. Wow. You need to go on to Jeopardy. <laughs> where, where do you come up with all you, – you, obviously, you read a lot. I read a lot. <laughs> Another book that your clientele may read that you do have people read during applied strategic planning is a book called The Discipline of Market Leaders by Tracy and Wisarma. It's in its, I think, third publication now. What I like about it is it's a small book. I was in the third reading group in school. So I was not a great reader, but I like to read a short book. Um, it takes the work of Michael Porter, who was, uh, he wrote Competitive Strategy, one of the world authorities on competition, if you will. And in this book, they talk about the three windows of the marketplace. Um, and, he, and they do it in a much more understandable way than Porter wrote it for the you know, IBMs of the world, et cetera. But the, the, the one window is top 2%. What does that mean? It means that if, if you go out to the community and say, who are the best dentists here, uh, your name comes up first. It's not how you declare yourself. It's what people think of you. In San Clemente, when Phil Potter was there, one of the finest dentists in San Clemente, his name came up often as that top 2% dentist. The next window of the marketplace is lowest cost provider. It's what's called operational excellence, and they keep doing everything to drive the cost down. Well, if you think about retailing, who is that? Walmart. And when you look at their ads, it shows the prices dropping, dropping, dropping. Um, they standardize. They have to upsell, et cetera, et cetera. Then the third window of the marketplace is what's called customer entity, and it's psychographically driven, and it's, it's literal hand-holding, if you will. Um, if you think of retailing, the company – even out in your area that's into that, is Nordstrom's. Oh, yeah. When you go to Nordstrom's, I, I'm a surgical shopper. I don't like to shop. But I can go to the one salesperson, and I can buy anything in that store with that one salesperson with whom I have a relationship. Um, and uh, I, I once hired as one of my health relationship coordinators in my practice, a woman who worked at your Fashion Island, um, Nordstrom's there in uh, Southern California. Been there many times. The manager of women's shoes. And she was perfect in being the caseworker for all of our new patients. Because my understanding is, any women listening to this, that when you ladies buy shoes, it's a big deal. Uh, for us guys, it's not this big a deal. 
And so the difference of quality and function, et cetera, somebody appreciates that. They have a very high discrimination theme. And that's what we wanted. We wanted to serve people that were highly discriminated. My wife, my wife, Lynn, hates it when I say that my definition of shopping is that I lay down until the feeling passes. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's interesting. We had a breakfast meeting yesterday, Baba, in a, a networking group that I'm involved in. And we were talking just about what's going on in the retail sector. And we were talking about customer service. And they were all saying, when you buy something from Amazon, you get it either that day or the next day. And you have returns. It's, it's, it, it's seamless. And then they were talking about some other large retailers, which I won't name. And they said, these people won't be in business in five years because their customer service is horrible. That's correct. And, and, and how do they get that? You have to have alignment of your people. One of the interesting things that we find when people do an applied strategic plan are, uh, is they have tremendous alignment because we've all helped create what it is we're going to be doing. And therefore, I have ownership. The other thing that's likely to happen if somebody goes through an applied strategic planning uh, seriously, like with us or somebody similar to us, there may be a team member or two who will elect to leave your practice because that's not what they want to do. And that may be a good thing. And that will be a good thing. And what will also happen is some people will step up uh, who you didn't even know you had and take leadership roles that will amaze you. You really find out about people. Bob, we're running out of time. Go to the third. uh, What do we do in the third session? In the the third session, uh, you actually, between – between each session, we work with you. You have homework assignments, not a lot between one and two. It's mostly personal. You send that to us. I will send you comments back. Irena, who works with me, will send comments back. And then um, at that second session, you're presenting your personal plan to the other doc and his spouse to the extent you're comfortable in doing that. You get to learn from each other while your team is being oriented by Irena. Then we move in and we actually take and revisit the vision of the practice. And we go through these steps and we talk about with core values with your team. And then between recession two and recession three, that are retreat three, you actually create your final applied strategic plan and you present it at retreat three, a little like you would an IPO, an initial public offering. Right. And it's so powerful because your team gets to help present your goals and objectives, which uh-huh. we've helped you along the way with between retreats. And they have this tremendous amount of pride, but they also get to see other docs. And their plans. And I got to tell you, the people who elect this course are among your best clients. Oh, I, I have no doubt. Bob, how long does this whole process from from the date they get started to the date that we finish this work? How, how long of a period of time are we talking? Somewhat on the participant calendars, because we do try to we set that first retreat and we try to set the second and third once we have people signed up. But uh, it takes about nine months. Oh, Oh, so this is this is not like a week or two. No, it's about nine, it's three retreats over nine months. Uh, sometimes it'll go as long as 10. The, the difference, though, Art, is they start acting differently from the first retreat. That's The word applied is really fundamental to the process. And, and how, many pra- how many practices do you have in each? Uh, it, it's the same practice in all three retreats? Four to five at most per uh, ASP series. Okay. So, uh, actually, we can go to six. It depends on the size. Like if we have an endodontic group like the uh, we will have in this next one um they've got a small team so uh, if we had a pediatric group like dallas with four other doctors we would have less so somewhere between four uh at the low end and as many as six to seven at the high end we'll go through the process together well ladies and gentlemen as sad as it is we're we're getting to the end of this and uh, i will tell you that that bob frazier has had an immense 
uh, influence on me. Um, uh, can we talk about Danny for just a second? Yeah. Uh, Bob Fraser's son, Danny, runs. Talk a little bit just shortly about what, what Danny does in, in his work, which is amazing. Yeah, I'll be, uh, let me make it real quick. But uh, Danny, uh, my youngest son, came to me uh, oh, about 12, 14 years ago. And he said, Dad, he, at the time he was uh, with Outward Bound. He was an Outward Bound instructor. And he was also working in the winter uh, with uh, troubled youth uh, in wilderness therapy. And he came to me and said, my buddy and I want to go through your applied planning process because we want to create a uh, school for troubled youth, a uh, wilderness therapy school. And by golly art, they did it. It's called Open Sky Wilderness. It's headquartered in Durango, Colorado. They treat children who are really at rope's end, often substance abuse, often doing poorly in school, etc. Um, they, uh, I'm so proud of them. About their fifth year of existence, the governor of Colorado picked them as one of the 50 companies in Colorado to watch. Yeah. Uh, they now have over 250 employees. They have two bases uh, in western Colorado and eastern Utah. Again, go online. It's openskywilderness.com. And, and I bring I bring this up, Bob, not not to promote Danny's business because we don't need to do that, but just just you and your family's character. And ladies and gentlemen, let, let me say this: you, you know, Bob Frazier is a is, is a dear dear friend. I get to spend a week with him on the Gunnison River fly fishing. He was kind enough to host me in his home for several nights. And, and the more I, the more I spend time with Bob, the more I want to spend more time with Bob. And 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 ladies and gentlemen, we I haven't mentioned this uh, before, but we we actually lost our first member of the Academy of Dental CPAs uh, about a month ago, and we'll be talking about him. Ted Schumann passed in late December, and it it just opens your eyes as far as how how precious life is. Um, you know, the show is recorded four days after the horrific helicopter crash that took the life of Kobe Bryant, his daughter and seven others. Um, I mean, you, you know, you, you look at this and you just say, you really need, we don't know how much time we have and we want to make the absolute best of it, have the best possible life we can have. I've made changes in my life and my diet and my exercise. I own a, as you all know, I own a Peloton bike. Follow me on Art Dental Finance. I'm approaching 150 rides. I do it three to five times a week. Um, You know, it's all about making the life that you want to have. And Bob Fraser's work will help you do it. I don't need to do a commercial for him. He is iconic in the dental profession. So, Bob, one more time, give out your information. Maybe maybe a final comment to my listeners and then give out your information. Sure. Um, uh, First of all, Again, our website that you could go to is uh, www.inspiroteam.com. Uh, and if you want the specifics of this telecast, I mean, our podcast, inspiroteam.com backslash arts podcast backslash. Uh, and then that website also has information of our course in Southern California, both the emotional intelligence course as well as the um, uh, upcoming ASP course um, that will be there. And then um, um, we also offer courses in the Austin area. So we'd love to have you. Uh, I'm going to post a uh, article on what I just wrote about, which will be a little more organized and easier for you to track on the whys and wherefores of applied strategic planning. I'll also post that uh, flow sheet so you'll have that. And then I'd love to talk to anybody who just wants to chew the fat a little bit about where they are and what they might want to do with their own future. As Art just said, uh, life is short, plan well. Again, that number that you can reach me at is 
0455. And, and you said, Bob, you have a couple more spots for your March 27th to 29th uh, seminar? I do. They have uh, yeah. Street one. I'm happy to talk to somebody about that if they Oh, my goodness. And again, I learned that in the two days that you taught me emotional intelligence. Um, ladies and gentlemen, I'm, I'm just going to be with you as always. I, I thank you so much. And I look forward to our next time to wet a line. And by the way, I am floating the middle fork of the Salmon River this summer between the 10th and the 15th of August. And uh, would love to have anybody want to join us on that. Yeah, I, I've taken that trip, ladies and gentlemen. And, and uh, the quick story about that is my I took my two boys uh, when they were uh, 19 and 14. And uh, the third day, there was a bridge that's about 70 feet up in the air. And they both looked at me, can we jump off the bridge? And uh, they both jumped off the bridge three times. And I used those videos in my financial planning lectures to say why you need disability insurance. They didn't get dad to jump off the bridge, but it was one of the most amazing trips and Bob led Bob and Danny I think actually led um, conversation after dinner every night uh, on the river uh, about life and and it's life-changing folks this this man will change your life and I don't again I, I none of my guests I, I promote I don't get a fee I don't get anything other than the fact that I want your lives to be better Dr. Frazier I will see you in a couple of months I look forward to it um, and, uh, he's also an amazing golfer and fly fisherman. I'll learn from him also. And, uh, thank you so much for sharing your time and your expertise with us. I can't thank you enough. And again, if they're interested in the float trip, that's not part of Inspiro. That's part of www.fraseronline.com. Right. Fraser's F-R-A-Z, like Zebra, E-R, online, all one word, dot com. Super. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I'll give my information out one more time. The phone number is... 714-505-9000, our new phone number. Um, contact me at art, um, artwiederman at gmail.com. Uh, go to our website, www.hmwccpa.com. Go to the uh, resources tab, go to the podcast link. And if you are looking for a dental-specific CPA, please, please, please go to our website, www.adcpa.org. Dr. Bob, it's a pleasure. We will do uh, another show on emotional intelligence, and uh, you are a gift to the dental profession. That's all I can say. Honored to be on your program, Art, and thanks for all the plugs. And uh, we hope we didn't give you too many plugs. We gave you a little bit no. on the phone. No, this is, not, this is not about plugs. This is about helping people. That's what you and I do. And ladies and gentlemen, that is it for this edition of The Art of Dental Finance with Art Wiederman, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 